Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Well, it's my privilege today to, to bring the message and uh, I'm going to do my best to, to bring it in on time. And um, just want to encourage you, we've been talking about the going through the book of James and James is such a, a practical book and I've got the privilege of giving you James chapter 2 this morning. We're going to go through James chapter 2. And uh, last week we went through how Shane preached a great message that we need to be doers of the word, not just hearers. We've got to be doers. Everyone say doers. So everyone say, I'm not, I'm not a hearer, I'm a doer. Excellent. And this message today flows on from that. And basically, James, in chapter 2, shares two keys with us. And basically, he's asking us, show me that you're a believer. You say you're a believer? You say you've got faith? Show me. And there's two things we're going to go through. One will be that we'll be showing that we're a believer by loving others as we would love ourselves. And then we'll show that by our corresponding actions. You know how people can talk, you can talk and you can say things, but it's not until you show what you're saying. It really matters, isn't it? I've been going to the physio of late. I've had a sore shoulder, a frozen shoulder. And I go into the physio and he goes, Ian, how you going? Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. And uh, how's your shoulder? Yeah, okay. Yeah, going, going good. And he goes, show me. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so you do your exercises, do your, you do your things. And it's the same with James here. He's saying, you think you're a believer? You say you're a believer? Show me. So today, that's what we're going to be talking about. So let's read James chapter 2. It'll be up on the screen here. Let's read it. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you have faith, if you have favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes, expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guarded by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into the court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the Scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. So whatever you say, whatever you do, remember that you'll be judged by the law that sets you free. There'll be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. That's a pretty strong message. <laughs> How do we respond to people that are different to us? What is it to show favoritism? It means to give inequitable, biased preferential treatment. In, in biblical meaning, it means to make judgments or a distinction 
based on an external appearance. And that's what James was addressing there. But why, why is James addressing that? Why is James saying that's wrong? Well, in essence, Jesus didn't show favoritism, did he? <laughs> we were lost in our sin, our nature. We were guilty. We were shameful. We were rebellious. But yet God transcended all races, all nationalities. Doesn't matter where we were, what we were doing. He died for everyone. Because of his love, he became flesh. He identified with us. He connected with us. He didn't condemn us. As Mark, sorry, Dave, I'm going good with my names today. As Dave said this morning, <laughs> I'm married to Suzanne. <laughs> Why should we show favoritism? Because Jesus didn't show favoritism. Paul writes in Galatians 3, There is no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham. In James chapter 2, verse 4, it says, You have discriminated among yourselves because, and you became judges with evil thoughts. So discrimination is the same as judging. So if we, if we judge by the external, we shouldn't be doing that. And James addresses that. He says, don't judge people by what you see. Don't judge people by the clothes they wear, how they look. They've got a good haircut, you know. By how much jewelry they got. God doesn't judge us like that, does he? God doesn't show favor, nor should we. It reminds me of the, uh, you know, the, the drunk man that is going home on the train after a, a big night out and he, he, he sort of stumbles into the train and he sits next to a, a priest and you know he's, he's dressed like he's, he's had a big night he's had a bender <laughs> and he's, 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 he's hurts, his shirt's out he's got a half bottle of scotch still in his hand and he's got lipstick on his face and he's got the newspaper and he's reading the newspaper and he turns to the priest beside him and he goes do you know what gives arthritis? and, and the priest he he, he turns to the, to the man and he goes, well, arthritis, you drink too much, you shouldn't smoke, you shouldn't be out with wild women and, you know, eating the wrong kinds of foods. And he sort of looks away the other way. And, and the, the other guy that is, is obviously had a bit too much to drink and he, he goes back to his paper and he goes, hmm, well, I'll be. And the priest, he thinks about it. And he gets a bit convicted. He says, oh, mate, look, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have judged you like that. You know, I've, I've just come on too strong. You know, how long have you been since you've had arthritis? And, and, and the drunk guy says, well, actually, I haven't got arthritis. I just read in the paper, the paper does. <laughs> We've got to be careful. We've got to be careful how we judge people. You don't, you just can't be looking at the external. What does, what does James tell us we should do instead? Well, James says we need to love our neighbours as ourselves. Jesus was quoting out of Leviticus there, wasn't he? Jesus read Leviticus, so should you, <laughs> you and I. <laughs> that 
we need to love people as ourselves. So what does that look like? So we love ourselves in the sense that we think about what is best for us. We feed ourselves when we have a desire to eat. We clothe ourselves in what's appropriate. We wash ourselves or, you know, try and get our kids to wash ourselves can be a bit of a challenge sometimes. We protect ourselves when we feel threatened or hurt. To love our neighbor as ourselves means to express the same concern we have for ourselves, for others. We think about what is best for them. We, we help others with their basic needs. We protect them when they feel threatened or hurt. Jesus said in Matthew seven twelve, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So this is the application of treating others as you would want to be treated. So how do you expect to be treated? With tolerance, with respect, with grace, with courtesy, with compassion, with attentiveness, with interest, with forgiveness, with acceptance. Then we must treat others the same way. So you say you love God? Show me by the way you treat others. Let's read verse 12 and 13. So whatever you say, whatever you do, remember that you'll be judged by the law that sets you free. There'll be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you've been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Jesus taught himself to us that we need to show mercy. Remember that parable about the unmerciful servant, that he was pardoned by, by the king and that he didn't do the same? What did Jesus say? Jesus said, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive others. Because God has been merciful to us, we've got to be merciful to others. We can't judge people. So you say you're a believer, show me by the way you treat others. And the second point, the key that James teaches us that shows that we have faith is that we'll have corresponding actions. So let's read from James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, see you later, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith. Others have good deeds. But I say, <laughs> how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. So James asked two questions. One, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? And two, can such faith save him? They're two pretty strong questions. The implication is that this kind of faith, faith without action, has no power, no worth, no ability to save. James is not saying that faith does not save. He is saying that that kind of faith that the person claims to have, the faith that does not have deeds, doesn't save. So I want to have a look at the three meaning of three key words here. Faith, save, and works. So here the word faith comes from the Greek word pistis. It means faith, believe, trust, confidence, faithfulness. It's the same word that Paul uses in the, in the book of Romans, chapter 12, 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has given or distributed to each of you. It's the same word, faith, in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, 
where he says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And it is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So faith we see here is not a virtue that can be worked up by human effort. It is fueled by a love for God, but by God. And it's a love for others. It's God and people focused at the same time. It's the same faith shown by the Roman centurion when, when he came to Jesus saying to Jesus, Jesus, heal my servant. I mean, he was a centurion. He would have had a number of servants. And in those days, servants, they were expendable, so to speak. But yet he had a love for his servant so much that he went to Jesus and said, Jesus, heal my servant. And it was that faith that Jesus said is what healed him. So that faith had action. That faith compelled that Roman officer to go and seek Jesus for healing for that person. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like that in all of Israel. So the word save, the word save here comes from the Greek word sozo. It's sometimes used to describe the initial entrance of a person to God's kingdom, conversion. It's used in the sense that you're being delivered out of danger. It's used principally that God rescues us from sin, the power and from the power of and penalty of sin and judgment. So the question is, and it comes from verse 19, where Paul goes, so you believe, even the demons believe. <laughs> so James is saying, suppose you see someone in need and you don't help them. What good is your faith? There's no action to it. What, what good is it? It's just talk. It's like saying, off you go, don't worry. I'll give you the, the number for the local government agency. Go talk to one of the pastors. If we respond like that, it's just sentiment. Our faith has no tangible, practical value. And James is asking us, he's saying, what, what good is it? What good is our faith? If you see someone in need and you don't do anything. The application is, is unmistakable. If it is within our means to help someone, we don't do it, then what good is our faith? Our faith must be fueled by love. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, If I have faith that can move mountains but don't have love, I am nothing. Love is greater than faith. Love must be demonstrated. In John, 1 John 3, 16, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. The type of love... That marks that our faith is real. It touches our bank account. It touches our diaries. It touches our time. It gives without counting the cost. It gives without thought of return. It gives without weighing up whether that person deserves it or not. Verse 7 and 18. 
So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now some may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. So don't just, we don't just believe that God supplies our good, the, 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 the goodness in our lives. We don't just believe that God supplies all our needs, but we demonstrate it by using our means for others. This is not just believing that God is a father to the fatherless, but demonstrating that faith by embracing those without families and loving them like our own. It's not just believing that God answers prayers, but demonstrating that faith by fervently and passionately praying for people. It's not just believing that God is a God of comfort, but demonstrating that faith by personally comforting others in their pain. It's not believing that God is with us in the dark valleys, but demonstrating that by faith by walking with those in their valleys. James is not saying faith alone in itself is dead. He's not condemning faith. He's not minimizing faith. He's not downgrading faith. On the contrary, he's provoking us to genuine faith. James does not argue for faith against works, or works instead of faith, or even works above faith, but for faith and works. What does works mean here? It comes from the Greek word ergon. It means work, task, and action, something that's carried out to completion. It's the same works or deed when Jesus says in Matthew 5 that no one has, that has a light hides under a lamp. But instead, it lets it shine. So let your works, let your good deeds shine out for all those to see, so that they will praise your heavenly Father. So I like what James says in verse nineteen. So you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. In terror, how foolish! Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? So James is basically saying, you believe. So what? Even the demons believe in God. It, we see in, in the in in the New Testament where where the guy that is I think in the cemetery or the tombs and the the legions of demons say Jesus, Son of God, what do you want to do with us? They believe that Jesus was the Son of God. But why parallel? There are times too we can equate our faith to what we believe. But there's got to be so much more than that. There's got to be so much more than just belief. We can have solid doctrine. But the implication is that even if demons can believe that Jesus is God and still be internal judgment, we have to have a genuine faith, a genuine love and compassion for people that shows that we have the love of God on the inside. So how can we be sure that our faith is real? As I finish up, James gives us two examples, Abraham and Rahab. And James says, Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and actions were working together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the Scriptures said, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called a friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. 
Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. The works we are speaking of are not done in order to be saved. They flow out of the faith in that we are saved. I just want to repeat that, just so I'm not misquoted. <laughs> the works we are speaking are not done in order to be saved. They are flow out of the faith by which we are saved. The natural outworking of faith in our lives is shown by our actions. Again, Ephesians 2, 8-9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. James is saying to us, you can have faith, you can believe Jesus is the Son of God, that's great, show me. Show me by how you treat others. Show me by your actions. The life of faith is more than a private transaction between you and God. It's a life of active love, shown by obedience to God, which holds nothing back from God. And it shows by having a concern for others, which holds nothing back from meeting human needs. It is a life of, of works flowing from our faith, the works we are speaking of not done in order to be saved they flow out of a faith by which we are saved so you say you're a believer show me by your actions as the music team come back up this morning which is James chapter 2 it's quite a confronting chapter but it's scripture <laughs> James is telling us, we love God, yes. We need to show it. Don't show people favoritism. Treat others how you want to be treated. Love people as you would want to be loved. And secondly, let your faith be shown by your actions. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for who you are and what you've done. Thank you for your presence here today. Thank you that, Jesus, you died for every single person. Thank you that you give us faith. You implant faith. It says in your word that you give us a measure of faith. But Lord, I thank you that it, it's that faith that then produces action. It's that faith that then produces love. It's that faith that then produces works good things that helps people that gives of itself God I just pray that you'd, you'd help us Father increase our capacity to love increase our capacity to, to, to love you as, as you would love us increase our capacity to love our city love our town, love our nation Lord, Look, increase our capacity to love those that are un unlovable because you love them, Father. God, increase our capacity to show our faith to others, to show that we love you with all our heart, soul, and strength. 
God, we want to be known as a people that love you. God, we want to be known as a people that are sold out for you. God, we want to be known as a people that are dedicated to the cause of Christ. Because Jesus, you are worthy. We're so grateful all that you've done.